Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Joe, we are live. What's up, everybody? December 3rd edition of the crazy podcast that's about to go down right now, recapping three different events, two UFC events, one Bellator event. I, I'm going to dub this weekend violent, absolute violence that took place, uh, at least in the octagon, uh, not so much uh, in the Bellator cage, which we'll, uh, we'll get to a little bit later on. But um, my goodness, what an absolutely crazy UFC 218 event. I, I, I'm, I'm speechless. I thought I saw, uh, I don't want to, destroy anyone's karma here but i thought i saw somebody die in the octagon tonight uh we'll get to that in a second sean ross sap i what mean was it that ref that was put into a coma in the main event of the bellator show because he was bored to death uh that was a, t- a difficult fight to watch between um julia budd who basically competed in a manner that i didn't think she would ever compete uh against blenkow uh but no i'm referring more to uh francis and yeah, I know. To yeah I know. Absolutely... it's a thumbnail for a podcast Oh, did you see the from the bottom of his left hip and how he threw it up with sheer and utter violence? I'm thinking Stipe Miocic. I mean, if, if you're Stipe Miocic, what are you thinking right now? Shit. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I'll start. I'll start by giving you all some like little scoops on the undercard and stuff. We do have James Lynch there, of course. We have a ton of content up on this very YouTube page. That's how you all are listening to it. If you're listening live, just a ton of stuff and up on fightful.com myself and Pat Fannin, we're just at it real hard. We've got uh, our very own Jeremy Lambert covering the post fight presser on the Twitter. And of course, James Lynch is going to be there as well. Uh, Abdul Razak Al Hassan. What did you think of that finish as we start off this show? Oh, really? It was 100% early. Yeah, it was one of those, like, I mean, the the only way that I can I can agree with Herb Dean um, or at least give him some sort of credence to say, you know what, I'm not the guy in the octagon. I'm not the guy looking into Homasi's eyes and what he may have seen, but there's nothing on the replay. They didn't show any replay that saw uh, his eyes roll back as he got hit. I don't even think he got hit. 
I think he just buckled because he was fatigued and he was just like, what am I doing here? Uh, so he dropped. And the fact that Herb Dean did that, I was like, whoa. I mean, he was off tonight, man. Let's be honest. He was off tonight. Yeah, he had a lot of missed calls. Uh, there is a very humorous post-fight interview we have with Abdul Razak Al-Hassan where he says that he wants to celebrate by getting coke and had to specify that it was not cocaine. <laughs> thumbnail of that is <laughs> Joe, you know how I feel about light heavyweight prospects. Dominic Reyes had a very impressive win. Submitted Jeremy Kimball backstage. He kind of talked about his prospect status after his big win and uh, said that he's still growing. He's not asking for a title shot or anything like that early, but he wants to get through the end of the year, his uh, the new year, Christmas, and then he wants to get back in the cage after that. Also, Justin Willis had a very impressive finish to start off this show. And he thinks he already is at that level. He thinks he's at the Nganu, the Miochik, the Overeem level. He is calling himself the elite fighter at heavyweight. What do you think about that statement coming so fast from a Justin Willis? No. Absolutely under, under no circumstances, no. He's he's not there yet. Uh, but I get the fact that he's already selling it. He's playing it. Uh, it's what guys like you and myself want these fighters to do sell yourself promote yourself get your your act together uh, actually do something to get people to actually appreciate you remember you uh and get guys like us talking about it so yeah totally uh i, I disagree uh obviously with his with his with you know justin's statement but good for him man it was a fun fight amanda bobby cooper says that she does not want to fight former tough cast mates even though the ufc offered a bunch up to her she said she knows those people she knows how they train she wants somebody new. She wants a different flavor. Now, I know a lot of people don't like Angela Magana, but I think there's a lot to be said about her continuing to take this fight. She lives in Puerto Rico, and not a lot of people know that. But that was such a ravaged place throughout her fight camp. Like She had to have UFC's help filling out W-2s and things like that. I mean, our own Carlos Toro was there, and he narrowly escaped. And friend of Fightful.com, who many of you know is Demon Diva, we didn't know if she was alive for two or three days. And Does she live in Puerto Rico? She went and visited Puerto Rico. She lives in New York, but she went there to okay. be with her family to make sure they were safe. And then she didn't even know if her father was alive for several days. So like oh. Angela Magana, even as she was posting things like water is gold here and things like that. And she was still helping people. I know she's a very controversial figure, a lightning rod, but, a lot is to be said about about uh, her still fighting through this, and she looked in great shape. She's just she just doesn't have that that level of talent anymore. I mean, she was able to to get get by earlier on her in her career, and I know a lot of people look at Amanda Bobby Cooper and they say, "Oh, well, she was two and three going into this, and three and three. That is a that number is not a very good representation of her experience level." She said she's been training for fourteen years. And between amateur, pro, and exhibition fights, she has 19 fights. She may have more fights than, than Angela Magana does. Like, And, Joe, you know as, as well as anybody, like especially the women, a lot of times you'll run into people on the amateur circuit that are eventual UFC fighters because there aren't a lot of female fighters out there. So uh, I know a lot of people were like, oh, well, how is she even in the UFC? She made it to the finals of tough. They're going to keep you around if you if you make the finals a tough. So I don't have much of a problem with that. Also backstage, before we get into the meat of the UFC main card, Kevin Lee was back there. 
told Fightful.com's James, James Lynch that he's staying at 155 pounds. He's going to work on his diet, and he hopes to fight in April. What do you think about that that decision? I like it. I think he's a contender there no matter what. I mean, just what happened with him and Tony Ferguson, uh, just because he lost to Tony and uh, all the speculation, you know, the whole weight cut thing. Listen, uh, I think he's a 155-pounder. You look at his frame. You look at the way he competes. You look at the way he's, he's able to execute his skills. And, and you know, he's always found a way to come back and win in, in all most of his fights. Uh, you know, forget the Tony Ferguson fight. Tony Ferguson right now is on a different level. Uh, we need to see him versus Conor McGregor or, you know, I know the Habib Nurmagomedov and um, – uh, Edson Barbosa fight still has to go down, but Kevin Lee's right there, Sean. Let, let, let's be honest. Kevin Lee's yeah. right there. I think he should stay at 155. He can focus, get a good nutritional, or get, get some good people around him in, in terms of nutrition. Remember, when you're a wrestler and you're in your, your you know, late teens or 20s, you, you can cut weight. Okay, you, you're, you, it's a different. Your, your body's made up differently. You're looking at people as they get a bit older, and every fighter has that issue. I think except for Dan Henderson, um, challenge. So. That's where nutrition comes in, you know. People, I mean, when they said Jose Aldo Jr. tonight had a difficult time making weight, um, he always had a hard time making weight at 145. He also took this fight on short notice. Did you see is, what, the response yeah, he gave to Aaron of TSN? Who, Jose Aldo? Yes. No. Oh my God. Okay. Well, this this podcast is going to get demonetized anyway. It has the word "fight" and "knockout" and shit like that in it. So <laughs> I guess I can curse through his interpreter. Aaron, who who uh, appeared on an episode of James Lynch's MMA Industry podcast, highly recommend you all check out, was asked about how he looked at weigh-ins. And Aldo, through the interpreter, says, sometimes I, I like to knock on the gravedigger's door so I can fuck him straight in the ass. Wow. And the interpreter actually Shit. said that. And he made sure that his interpreter said it. And you should have seen the look on his face when he realized like that she was going to have to say it. And then she knew she was going to have to reiterate it. Cause Aaron goes, uh, I don't, I'm afraid I don't understand that. <laughs> she, and she had to reiterate without even repeating it to him. She's like, all right, I'll go into more detail if I need to. Jose oh Aldo. Now, if it were me, you know what? If it were me, it wouldn't matter. Jimmy Van would let me run that. Jose Aldo, I like the way you do business. <laughs> of course you do. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Oh, I'm not even gonna repeat that to anybody. That that's insane. Yeah. That is insane. <laughs> but you know what? He's listen, he's always operated. Him and um, you know, even when Hannah Barrow was the champ and those two guys were the champs in two separate divisions, they operate at a different frequency, man. They're they're you know, I'm not saying they're odd ducks, but I'm th- the more I think about it, the more it doesn't surprise me. Felice Herrig defeated Courtney Casey. Uh, Felice, t- <laughs> Felice told us that as Fightful that yeah that there was a blood booger thrown, a blood booger thrown. She said, "Is that why she gave her the figure in the middle of the fight?" I was like, "And that's what the, did, did your feet cut out at that point there?" Well, she gave she. Uh, she gave her the finger, and then you or Fox cut away. Okay, that's what it was then. Okay, because I was like, what, like, because Anik, uh, basically his his tone of voice kind of went up in the air, as did um, Rogan's, and then all of a sudden, what just happened here? So that's what it was then. Okay, so they censored it. Gotcha. 
Yeah, uh, that was that was definitely interesting. And for a long time, Felice Hare didn't get the credit she deserved. I've talked about it on this podcast many a time. She had that that image of, of just using her looks to get ahead in the division. And uh, outside of her being really slow, I, I don't know how. I mean, I saw people saying, oh, this has passed her by. It's passed her by. How has women's MMA passed her by? She's won four fights in a row, including one against Alexa Grasso, who they thought was going to beat her, and yeah. then a top 15 girl in Courtney Casey. I, I don't get it. Felice Harry is doing perfectly fine at strawweight. She'll yeah. keep doing what she's doing. Uh, I think we'll know when it's finally passed her by. Uh, it, it was a weird fight, though, because they, they stayed pretty much in the same real estate of the octagon for like 95% of this fight. And when I say the same real estate, like it was as if that bigger two phone booths were left in the middle of the octagon, and that's all they stayed at. It was just a weird, weird fight in that way. And then they finally moved around is when we saw a little bit more action. So odd. I, I have a lot of respect for Felice Herrig. I don't think she gets her just due. And Courtney Casey didn't move around a lot, like you said. Like that was, and that came through on commentary. They reminded you every twelve seconds that she didn't. But Felice Herrig is a legit top ten UFC strawweight, and I, you know, I, I didn't think that she would ever be that. I thought that after the Van Zant lost, I thought that I, you know, I thought that she was going to just go away. I thought she was going to do something else. She had the appearance on like American Ninja Warrior and stuff like that. It didn't work out for her. But man, it's just, it, it's good to see her. And I know a lot of people had a negative perception of her because of the ultimate fighter. And she completely justified that, that negative perception. Her and Carla Esparza looked absolutely insufferable in that house. But you got you to respect a woman like, Am I the biggest fan of Angel Magana? No. Do I think she's good in the in the cage? No. But what she went through, that says a lot to me. Felice Herrick being able to hang around at this point of her career when a lot of people, including myself, thought it was all all done for uh, props to her. And that, that sentiment will be echoed later as it pertains to Roxanne Modafferi when we talk about Ultimate Fighter 26. But not bad. Uh, somebody who I... I I don't want to say don't have as much respect for, but I'm a little bit more puzzled by is Dracar Close. He talked more in the cage than he did in the interview that James Lynch did with him for Fightful. I was thinking about you watching this fight, and I was like, what the heck is going through Sean Ross Sapp's mind right yeah, now? Yeah, because... I even told, I told James that. I'm like, where where was this when you interviewed him and you were begging him, talk. Sque he was squeezing the blood from that stone. The The, the warning from... Herb Dean, now I'm all for a warning about being tentative, but that was employing footwork. Is it my kind of fighting? Is it what I like to watch? No. But was it effective? Yeah. And David Tamer won that fight. He says that he wants a top 10 opponent now, by the way. What do you think about that, his performance in the Herb Dean stuff? And and just Drakkar close altogether, all, all over. Um, well, first things first, uh, oh, by the way, guys, girls, uh, that are tuned in right now, live top right of your screen, uh, live chat, by all means, put up your comments, uh, suggestions. So we'll try and get to them as much as we possibly can. Um, to my understanding, uh, when, when during big John McCarthy's command course, when I got, um, when I got the certification specific, whenever you basically, if you're going to warn fighters for timidity or, or, or just lack of action, you warn both of them. One, unless it's something completely different, like a guy's just not fighting, you're going to say, listen, I'm going to stop this fight if you don't want to fight. 
Um, there was nothing that I saw that David Tamor technically was doing wrong. Uh, Jakar just wasn't having a guy that was just waiting to counterfight. Yeah. So you think, yeah, you just take a look at that. And David's like, dude, this is my style. This is how I fight. And I'm not going to sit there and, and put my chin where he can knock it right through the second row because you want me to fight referee. No, that's not how it works. If he's running around, Caleb Starnes did uh, at UFC 83 in Montreal, and nothing was happening whatsoever against Nate Quarry. I could understand a referee saying, "Hey, what are you doing? Like, you are legit not fighting. Like, you're not even doing anything." So uh, I get that, and we, we even saw you know Max Holloway in the main event a couple times with Aldo saying, "Yo, what's going on?" But Aldo, you know, did what he had to do. But I saw nothing wrong with with what Tamer was doing. To be honest with you, Jakar Close complaining like that. I don't know, man. Close hasn't finished any of his last like five fights, so I don't know what he's like. What he's trying to get at there. He's not like some big knockout artist or something. He was early in his career, but he was facing total scrubs then. Like at Rage in the Cage and Duel for Domination and like Turd Wars and dumb shows like that. Like you're going to knock out dudes at that level. But Did you just say Turd Wars? Turd Wars. There was actually a promotion out here <laughs> called Turf Wars. It was ran by Kerry Shaw. And uh, if you remember him. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And... One of the rival promoters used to call it Turd Wars all the time, and it kind of stuck. <laughs> they were. Shocking. Yeah. But uh, how do we break down a Yancey Medeiros versus Alex Oliveira fight? My God. No scoops on this well, one. Yancey went to the hospital after this one. Yeah. So we didn't get any yeah. scoops out of him. Uh, I, I, I put, I'll put a challenge out to you and to everybody in the live chat. Uh, I want one word or two words max to describe this fight. Instant classic. Okay, that's my two. What about one? Violence. Violence. Great. Awesome. Awesome. Like I when I when I tweeted it out specifically, I said, well, "Who just put Dua? Roy Story is a legend. Roy Story is a legend. He put Dua." Um, and, and looking at this fight, and you know, having covering MMA for as long as I have, well, we're at two decades almost now. I just said, "There's there's mixed martial arts. You know, there's MMA, and then there's just flat out fighting. This was flat out fighting. Like it was insane." Yeah. Loved it. I I can't believe Alex Oliveira didn't finish him off. That guy is like, he has just emerged as just a guy you have to watch. A guy you just absolutely have to watch at welterweight. This is the biggest win of Yancey Medeiros' career, without a doubt. He started off as a guy who technically lost or technically didn't win his first three fights because he had that Eve Edwards fight that was overturned here in Kentucky, actually, due to marijuana. Then he shows up. At his date, hands him 500 bucks, and they forget about it. So uh, since then, 6-2, and two, he's lost to Trinaldo and Dustin Poirier, and that's two of the two really high-level guys in that division. Say what you want about Trinaldo's age, but good God, I think Trinaldo has won like eight of his last nine himself and only lost to Kevin Lee. So for, for Medeiros to be performing at that level, putting on fight of the night, performance of the night bonuses, you know, you can tell that like some of that Diaz and Holloway rubbed off on him because he's in there, he's hanging in there. I thought if if that were a lot of other guys, they're done, Joe. Oh, toast. Yep, you're right. Amazing fight, just an amazing fight. Just 
it's it's a fight that you all have to go out of your way to see. This gets fight of the night, yeah. Yeah, well, oh, geez, if it doesn't, it's like, come on, man. Like, this is, it's going down as one of the fights of the year. I mean, Gaethje Johnson might be uh, one of the other fights of the year, but. Well, the sad is thing insane. is, Al Hassan and Hamasi could have been in the contention had it continued. Like, it could have been up there. Both of those guys, at least one of them had $50,000 robbed from them. Probably. Yeah. Well, I don't hey, know. You're right. And Ganu's getting, <laughs> getting a knock out of the night, to say the least. So. What an knockout of history. What an incredible fight that was. Um, James Lynch was going to get an interview with CM Punk, but they pulled it. They UFC wouldn't allow it. He wasn't available for interviews. He was back there with Paul Felder. Paul Felder, who revealed that his UFC contract is at its end, but says that he wants to stay with the company, says that it's not even like a discussion of him going anywhere else. And you can't blame him, Joe. He's got all these broadcasting gigs. Not a guy that I would have looked at a year ago and thought that the UFC would be opening up so many gigs for. We're talking like Dana White's Contender Series commentary, uh, color for Fox Sports 1 shows. Also, he's on the UFC on Fox panel here and there. He's getting a lot of opportunities from the UFC. And early on, he ran into the troubles with Charles Oliveira that you're going to run into with Charles Oliveira. Uh, But then he elbowed Oliveira's head through the canvas. (laughs) <laughs> like <laughs> damn that last one though Sean, come on tell me that last one you weren't just like uh like your stomach just kind of did a little flip inside because you know that sound like i got goosebumps just thinking about it man like when i i've seen you know my first year of fights but when, when elbows come down and that the skull has nowhere to go and the full impact goes through the skull into the canvas you're just kind of like oh my god that's that's terrible. And this is on Fox. Oh my goodness. So, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm trying not to be overly facetious, uh, with, with what I'm saying or what I was tweeting at the time. Um, but I, it's, it's, it's tough for me as a play by play guy. You're a play by play guy when you got to sit there and listen to someone or, or people say certain things and it's just not true. Like, if you listen to the audio, the fight was over. Charles Oliveira won the fight. He was winning. Paul Felder's, you know, doesn't know anything about jujitsu. He's made, he's an amateur. He doesn't know what's happening. He's making all these mistakes. It's over. It's done. It's over. It's done. And I'm like, come on, man, you got to stop that. And lo and behold, Felder wins the fight. And I'm just as like, as I, I thick as those elbows were, I got to say, I liked Medeiros's elbows better. From the high, like Felder's, well, it's hard to say which were more effective. I kind of forgot to mention this. Yancy Medeiros gave Alex Cowboy Oliveira some of the sickest elbows I've ever seen from a high point. Like he held down Madero or he held down Oliveira's head and used it as leverage as he came down. That was sick. And it's like it gave Oliveira power because then he swept Madero's and got up. <laughs> it was, it was un- unreal. Felder's were more like thumping elbows that you they weren't as rangy they weren't as like when i saw them i just felt that like i felt them connect through my television set it was unbelievable it was awesome who some real i love me some good elbows i think that if you're in top control and don't employ really if you're on the ground and elbows aren't a major part of your game i don't know what you're doing 
the guard, I think, has to be revolutionized by elbows. And that's something I talked about with you and I kind of predicted in the GSP-Bisping fight. I said if GSP ends up in Bisping's guard, uh, GSP likes to stay low on the guard sometimes, and Bisping will elbow him. That's a thing you have to worry about now. You have to be high in the guard now as opposed to low or you're going to get sliced up. And now just from the top, you got guys like Yancey and Paul Felder just – these thudding, violent, scary elbows. Really good stuff. Really good stuff, man. But then we got this main card, and Tisha Torres went backstage and told James Lynch she wants a rubber match with Rose Namajunas. They fought last year. A lot of people thought that Torres won. Torres has beaten Rose before. But this was a situation where you had two girls who had just lost the champion fairly recently. And as I said, they're probably hoping that, that Joanna wins, but... Torres seems all too happy to fight Rose Namajunas. This fight was good. It was it was technical. It was what it was. Uh, Michelle Watterson has better takedown skills than I have ever given her credit for, so uh, shout-outs to her for that. But did anything stand out to you in this fight? Uh, I, well, whenever I watch a Michelle Watterson fight, I always talk about her hip dexterity because she's got this crazy way of being able to use her legs and hips in jiu-jitsu where you're just kind of like, there's no way... I could do that. Like, that's crazy the way she can do that. And then I saw Tisha Torres do it. And I'm like, damn, that's good. Now, she wasn't able to reach. Um, I know it, it kept it, the reminders on the broadcast make me laugh. It's like the human anatomy can only do so much, guys. And the way the body was positioned, she's not going to be able to reach underneath and grab her ankle or her calf to bring it down. She's got to be able to move in the position. You can't do that. So uh, it's anatomically impossible. But at the same time, she looked pretty good. Um, I do want to ask you one question, though, and this I, I don't want to cause – I'm not accusing anybody of anything. Um, but when you look at Tisha Torres' body, and this came up on my, on my Twitter feed, uh, and a few texts came my way um, from people that know these types of things. I, I never thought of it. I just said, you know what? She's in fantastic shape. She's ripped. And they're like, well, no, she's not. How did she pass any sort of USADA test? I'm like, well, she obviously did. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you give her an eye test, do you think, hmm, something's going on here? Yeah, I, I do if I give her the eye test. But, I mean, I'm not giving her the drug test. Like, that's that's the one that matters. The eye test, if if I'm giving people the eye test, I'm thinking Nganu's on something. I'm thinking that Paulo Costa's on something. Ngannou, I don't know. Ngannou, I'm, I'm not too sure because you know, if you look at I'm him. Just straight up eye test, man. Just straight up eye yeah. test. Okay. Yeah. I get the Paulo reference. Yeah. Like that's Paulo Costa. You're just kind of like, what? Still I saw they, you two I'm, I'm years thinking ago? that too. But, you know, there are some people, if it looks too good to be true, usually it is. But then there are just yeah. some genetic freaks. And I'm going to look up. Uh, we did have Amanda Lemos who failed a drug test or was notified of a violation this weekend. But, I'm going to look at, at Tisha Torres has been tested 14 times this year. Bingo. All right. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, 14 just... times this year. Eight times last year. And then two get times the year before. God, we're looking at 24 tests. If she's on something, she's real good at hiding it because that's a lot. Like, and the thing is, USADA, if they're suspicious of somebody, if somebody has a suspicious physique, they will test them a lot. That's just what they do. 
I need to hold a Luke Bernardi to see what he thinks about the whole situation. Maybe I'll, uh, if I can get a picture of Tisha and like, what do you think about this? Because he's got a really good eye. He, I mean, he knows this stuff inside and out when we had him on the, the podcast. But um, you know, you know what's interesting? Dana White did this scrum the other day, and he talked about how Ronda Rousey refuses to retire. She has not been drug tested all year. Oh, so what, what's up there? What's up there? Yeah, that's odd. Yeah. Um, let's let's mention this. We'll we'll squeeze this in. George St. Pierre revealed that he has colitis. Yeah, man. Oh, there's going to be some heads up asses jokes coming. Oh, there. it's just as soon as the news came out, and as soon as he posted it, I was like, uh, oh, should have should have kept that one to yourself, homeboy. You know what yeah, I mean? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Oh he my just God. said there was some sort of, I don't know, internal stomach You're just issue. Getting Sean Pearson to break down this colitis situation. I hope because. His penile dysfunction reference is one of the greatest all-time moments in Fightful history. (laughs) I'm sure he regretted it. But this is what Tyron Woodley said about it. Uh, And I quote, What is colitis? I'm not saying he doesn't have the issue he says he has, but was he even scheduled to fight? I think it's a method to buy him some extra time. What does a Robert Whitaker fight do for George? A young, spunky fighter that's uh, going to come right after George with everything he's got. He's not going to make nearly the pay-per-view he did with Bisping. I think he's smart. He doesn't have to take that risk. I don't think he wants to reign over the division with all these guys coming back to back to back. I came to grips last week that I may never fight George St. Pierre. But then he also said that he may move up to 185 to do it. Now, also Woodley told us at Fightful that he is scheduled for surgery December 19th, which to me, I immediately said, do what? You are, you haven't fought in four months, and you're you're saying you better not do an interim title. You better not do an interim title. Meanwhile, you're talking about moving to 185. You haven't had your surgery, and you won't until almost five months after you fought. And we're talking shoulder surgery, like labrum surgery. Good luck. He ain't back before the summer, at at least maybe. And then what if he has a setback? You can't keep that division on hold. That's that's odd. What do you make of the the Tyron Woodley comments to Fightful? Yeah. Uh, one word, silly. Like, I don't know, man. Like, come on, dude. I mean, I like the guy. I've interviewed him a few times, but I don't know. I mean, is it a shtick? Do you think it's a stick? Like, oh, it's not working it's, for it's, me, bro. That's that's a little odd. Also, something I forgot to mention. The wardrobe malfunction with Angela Magana. What the fuck is Reebok doing? Hold on, hold on. I know, I know where you're going with this. I know where you're going with this. If you look at what Amanda did though in the fight when she had her, she had her arms and and Angela was oh, holding. Oh, Joe, I don't care. I don't remember any of these happening before Reebok. Yeah, no, I got you, like got six, you. But the way Nadia, she pulled Nadia down, Nadia I was like, had one happening at the Australia show. We've seen Elizabeth Phillips mm-hmm. had like. Outside of maybe Ronda Rousey in early, like her early fight, this didn't happen a lot. Why can't these girls wear singlets? What's the prop? Why can't guys wear singlets if they want? What's the harm there? I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's so odd. Like, I mean, they're like, oh, friction. Yeah, okay. Let's just let tits flop out on TV in the name of Reebok. All hail. All hail Reebok. And of all people, Angela Magana. Yeah, I'm sure she. Oh, she's tweeting it out. I'm sure. 
with the quickness. No, Eddie Alvarez, oh. huh? You think she will? Oh, of course she will. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie Alvarez, <laughs> okay. Gaethje, I was the only person on Fightful.com's prediction piece to predict this correctly. I can say with full confidence that had Conor McGregor fought Justin Gaethje on this night, he would have been doing Justin Gaethje a giant favor by letting it last three minutes. The way that Gaethje shells up like this, eats a few punches, and then rolls out to throw his own, a Conor McGregor-level striker, a Max Holloway-level striker, probably even Tony Ferguson, it doesn't last that long. If you do that to Habib, you're on your back. I think that Justin Gaethje is going to have some trouble making it to the title shot level. I think he'll hang around with the top 10 guys, but I think a lot of guys are going to figure him out, Joe. If you look at the way he competed in the World Series of Fighting, if you look at how he competed with uh, or versus Michael Johnson, uh, it's nothing new. He just was, he's been able to get away with this type of style because the people that he's, you know, he, he was a hundred percent correct in his post-fight interview when he said, or in his post-fight interview after Johnson, when he kept saying, where is my equal? Where is my equal? Where is my equal? Well, eventually you're not going to, the odds of you finding your equal is the person you're going to have a draw with. You're going to find someone who's better than you. Uh, and Eddie Alvarez was able to take the punishment that Gaethje was able to deliver, especially those those beautiful leg kicks. I mean, I I mean, Gaethje style, and it's it's it was in my breakdown. Great um, low leg actual, kicks too, especially that are hard yeah. to defend. So in my in my breakdown, very quick breakdown for the fun bets video, I said Gaethje is just simply too dangerous. Uh, the, the 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 way he comes back, and the way sometimes he'll leave his chin there for a moment. A guy with Alvarez's experience is going to just capitalize on that, and the body shots that he was throwing. Well, I shouldn't say were disgusting. We've seen Eddie Alvarez do this since way back when, uh, even the Bellator days, but. The guy's body shots just shows you. I mean, after that first round, it was like, well, who wins the round? The guy with the incredible leg kicks or the guy with the incredible body shots? Because if you're talking about strikes to the head, they were both throwing bombs. But what did more damage after those bombs, the leg kicks or the body shots? And as time went on, it just got uglier and uglier and uglier in that fight. And those two guys, I hate to say it, but they've lost years on their life in doing this type of fight. And then that knee that landed was just oh my God, was fantastic. Like just, it's terrible to say when you think about it sometimes, Sean, it's like, and everyone, you know, on the live chat listening in now, it's terrible to say that we get this rush and this, this enjoyment of watching other human beings lose parts of their, you know, the, the, the later part of their lives potentially because of the, of the entertainment value. But my goodness, that knee was absolutely perfectly timed and the way he landed it and it was just insane it was just absolutely insane so i gotta thank those two guys thank i mean i thank all the fighters all the time but those two guys are putting that on it's just crazy man nuts yeah man like and as you say that it's it's on the fox highlight right now but that was perfect i think that justin gaethje is gonna have to really really evolve in this division with the killers that are in this division if i look up and down those rankings and the way that that he performed tonight he had a willing dance partner in in Eddie Alvarez, but I'm like, man, Edson Barboza, Habib, Tony Ferguson, probably Nate Diaz. That's where Nate Diaz really shines is if a guy shells up like that. 
he goes to the body. Like uh, Gaethje left his body open an awful lot. I think that he gets gives him problems. Kevin Lee probably shoots a double on him, or at least a, a solid single. That if if Gaethje is down that low with his his face down, it's going to be hard to defend. Outside the top ten, and including in the top ten, I think probably Poirier would be a good fight for him. Kies would be a good fight for him, but. I would imagine they go to Poirier Alvarez because you can you run, you can headline a show with that now. You have also to. you have to you just have to. You can run Poirier and Alvarez, and then you run back Al Hassan and Hamasi because that Al Hassan Hamasi fight has a little stank on it now because of the way that it ended. You can put that on a main card. Of- the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply a televised show or a fight pass show now and it is something it means something you have a story there so often though the ufc doesn't like to go back to that and that, that's confusing to me like in pro wrestling we joke that wwe sometimes too often goes to that but in mma it's a real thing and it's a real story like in pro wrestling it's a lazy story in mma it's something that, that you can really build on uh i, I think that'd be Solid stuff, but that was such an awesome fight. By the way, that got fight of the night as well as Madero's Oliveira. They gave out two fight of the nights. Well, well deserved, right? Like, come on, man! And it's just good for the UFC, uh, the, the new era, the new owners of the UFC to go into the the well, the never ending well of money that that people say that they don't have. They got tons. Uh, those two guys, oh, those four guys, definitely deserved it. Uh, two guys that didn't deserve it were Henry Cejudo and Sergio Pettis, <laughs> who put on a fight that neither you or myself or anyone on the live chat or tuning in right now thought was going to take place. Because for the most part, I think we were all under the impression Henry Cejudo was just going to put an ass whooping on Sergio Pettis. Well, he kind of did. This was the fight I expected, kind of. I thought that he that Sudo would either catch a kick and rock Pettis or he would grind him out and that's what he did. He had to had to take him down, had to lay on him. Uh, I think that Sergio is the better of the two Pettis brothers, like without a doubt. I and I'm talking like overall altogether. I he just got to work on other parts of his game. Bad matchup for Sergio Pettis. I don't know what the deal is because they usually, with a, a guy like that, you would think they would want to get him in that title shot spot. I'm surprised that they thought that Sergio had a chance here. It's just, it's a terrible, terrible matchup for Sergio Pettis. And Henry Cejudo, who after, even after he lost to Benavidez, the way that he won against Hayes, he put himself like in the conversation for a title shot. That conversation's over now. That, that that ain't happening. 
But he did say uh, after the fight that he he would love a rematch with Benavidez. Run that one back. I'm all for that. That was an excellent fight. That was a very fun fight. I'll take that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I specifically tweeted out after the Cejudo Pettis fight that it's pretty much confirmed in my eyes that Johnson and Dillashaw is next because Cejudo did not make a case for himself uh, to get that title shot. Um, Pettis obviously in losing. Um, I, I don't know. So here, here, whenever you say that, or sorry, when you said that it was a bad matchup. Here's what I'm thinking. You got Ben Askren at your gym. Okay, you got Ben Askren at your gym. I know Ben Askren's wrestling is completely different than than Henry Cejudo's. But at the very least, to be able to figure things out, you figure the guys coming out of Rufus Sport, when you've got Ben Askren there, you can do a lot more. You can do a lot better in terms of what you need to, what you need your wrestling to do for your game. And I don't think we really saw that too much tonight with Pettis. Yeah. And there, hey, the thing is, I I see him beating a lot of the people. Except for, I see him beating everybody, but like Cejudo, Benavidez, and, and Mighty Mouse. I really do. So I mean, keep keep feeding him fights. Why not? Oh, it's time for the fun stuff, Joe. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> like you could see it in over him the whole time. He knew. He knew what was up. I, I liked how he came out right out of the bat, like right out as soon as, you know, Mergliata stepped out of the way, boom, he came out to try to attack because it's like, if I'm going to go down, let's go down hard here. And, well, my goodness, like he did what he could. Uh, I really liked your breakdown on, on Tuesday's uh, podcast that, you know, is he one of the greatest heavyweights of all time? You can make that argument. But, my goodness, I, 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 I literally was like, please tell me they are not showing this replay unless – they see that Alistair Overeem is fine because if he's not fine with Joe Rogan saying what he was saying about Alistair Overeem still lying there stiff on the ground. Told, yeah, I'm told super glad he's alive, by the way. What's that? I'm super glad he's alive, by the way. Yeah, I, I, I literally, and I'm, I'm not trying to be sarcastic or, 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 or blowing this up or whatever. I thought I saw a man die tonight. I thought, like, I've never seen it happen before in my life. I've seen every type of injury and knockout. You can imagine I've called some of the craziest things. I've seen, like, I mean, who was it? Roger Crawl's shoulder in front of me, arm just completely destroyed. I've seen crazy things happen, uh, in, you know, doing stuff in Japan. But what that knockout tonight was, was I, I, it's, it goes back to the Tank Abbott days, like one of the scariest knockouts I've ever seen another human being Land the punch, considering that they're they're promoting the fact that he has the world record for the hardest punch of a human being. He landed it on another man's chin with so much force that the guy looked like he got lifted off of his feet and was basically already unconscious and stiff in the air than when he landed on the ground. And then, Sean Ross Sapp, he followed up with a brutal hammer fist. So when they went to the replay, I said, please, for the love of all things holy, do not show the replay unless someone says Alistair is okay because the worst thing could have happened is if he wasn't okay and our worst nightmares come true in the octagon, you then went and showed that replay? Not good. Alistair Overeem got knocked colder than a well digger's ass. <laughs> It was scary. It was one of the most frightening things I've ever seen in MMA. I have seen people that I train with 
go into the cage, first fight, not knowing what they're doing, cut too much weight, have like seizure, multiple seizures, wasn't as scary as this. This was horrifying. Quick, quick point um, for you. Uh, Dre the Great said, Kane or Verdum would really test him. I mean, I don't know, maybe, but he's getting a title shot. That's that's the test for him now. Kane can't stay in the cage. Well, like, I mean, yeah. GSP and Kane Velasquez have the same number of wins over like the last four years. Like, I'm supposed to. I'll, I'll believe that he can fight when I see it. For Doom, yeah, I mean, for Doom's a test for anybody. By the way, Dana White says that the the right now the middleweight division will proceed without GSP as he has colitis. Um, also, it looks like UFC's going back to Montreal next year. And Ganu is the guy. <laughs> I love his promo. Fuck slavery and fuck racism. Now, I get the feeling that if he walked up to a group of racists and said that, they'd be like, yeah, I totally get what you mean about the fucking <laughs> thing, man. Like, so we've been screaming this whole time. Like, misunderstood, probably. Like, something lost in translation. We're not about that. Good for uh, him, though. Good for him Francis for raising Ghana was the man to end both slavery and racism, I'm convinced. You had Brock Lesnar shouting it out last year. Let's just get them a two man army. They storm every country. People are going to put the guns down. They're not going to just have them ride horses or something and swing swords. And, like, you see Nganu and Lesnar hopping over the hills to combat racism. World peace is on its way. Ironically, two of the most violent people bringing world peace, my friends. (laughs) The image is actually in my head. I love it. When do you – you know, they, like, wear kilts and shit, too. They would. Um, they can wear whatever they want. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, be honest. <laughs> when do you think this this fight could happen? Because Miocic has been in a contract dispute with UFC for a while. Yeah, man, I, I don't like this idea, dude. I really don't like this whole situation with this contract this this contract renegotiation, and it's not happening um, because you know Stipe Miocic widely considered. You know, when you're the UFC heavyweight champion or the, you're the boxing heavyweight champion, whether it's Joshua or Miocic, you're considered the baddest man on the planet. I got news for both of those guys. Francis Ngannou right now, in my opinion, is the baddest man on the planet. Do you think Brock Lesnar's title defense record is in safe hands right now? I don't know, man. It's, it's... Miocic tied it, and I think Sylvia and Couture also have it as well. The two title defense records so shows you the crazy – landscape of that division just un- unreal unreal main event you know if jose aldo doesn't throw leg kicks joe i think he's gonna have problems with a lot of people and i don't after this what motivation is there for him to stay at 145 uh, i'm gonna go with zero hey you know what I think that Jose Aldo, well, if he, th- Jose Aldo versus Justin Gaethje, that's a hell of a fight. Oh, so, so, yeah, you know what? I, I'm just thinking because Aldo looks small versus Holloway. Now, Holloway's a tall featherweight. So he looks small against him, but it's, it's, Holloway was, there was a point at the end of the second round. Um, so the one thing I, I used to always talk to Jason Prillo and BJ Penn back in the day about 
um, the importance of distance and understanding. It goes back, um, I don't know, for, for everyone watching or watching right now or, or on the live chat, if you ever go watch Sean Shirk versus BJ Penn and how BJ Penn was always able to just stay like within millimeters of where Sean Shirk was throwing his punches. It just looked yeah. so beautiful. And it, you know, I, and I talked to BJ after that fight and then Perillo and, and understanding distance and how to close the distance, stay away, close the distance, stay away. And then you start realizing that you are getting hit and it's almost like a measurement of, I can take it. I can take it a bit harder. Now I can move out of the way from the power of the punch. And if you saw Holloway, he was taking all those punches, but he kept getting a little closer a little closer, and he knew exactly when to roll every time <clears throat> Aldo was, was throwing that power to the point in that second round where he was basically in his face saying, my chin is right here. You're doing nothing to me. You can't do nothing to me. He just started unloading on him, and Aldo was like, if you're Jose Aldo, you're so accustomed, with the exception of your last few fights, you're so accustomed to beating people so hard that they've got nothing for you in rounds three, four, or five, unless you fatigue. Holloway had no respect whatsoever for, for Aldo's power and walked right through it. So if Aldo's going to go up to 155 pounds, the fighters there are more powerful. Yes. A um, concern there, son. Yeah, I don't know if how many more times Aldo can fuck the gravedigger's ass to, to say it as eloquently as I can. At 145, though, he looked rough. Now, Holloway did, too. But if you saw him at Media Day when he when he spoke with us, he was up, bouncing around. He worked with Tyler Minton. Tyler Minton, like, was telling us how he, like, had Cornish game hens with apples and cranberries made for Max Holloway's camp and stuff, like, for, for his Thanksgiving. And Holloway said it's the best cut he's ever had because he got to eat. By the way, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, we can confirm, is also working with Tyler Minton, a bit of uh, exclusive news to Fightful, ahead of 290. Cool. Yes. So that's good news. Tyler Minton is heading out there now to work out with him in D.C. Max Holloway's defense was like video game level at some points. Like he was just – the way he was able to just slide out, just as you mentioned, just out of range. And he was just big enough to be in his range. It was – it was masterful and he you know he'll he'll take one to give two or three that's just the way that max holloway operates man it's man those islanders dude it's tough to put them away it's tough we saw it with yancey like it's been a running samoan joke in pro wrestling like if you headbutt a samoan then you sell the headbutt like it's a reverse effect type of thing and like it's almost like the stereotype gets perpetuated among Islanders because you got you don't put him away, man. Like Conor McGregor couldn't put it, put Holloway away. Now granted, Conor McGregor was on one ACL in that fight. Max Holloway is and he, he's like, no, don't give me the super fight talk. I'm breaking this guy's record. Then I'll go do it. And he's got quite a ways to go. You know? He's got like what, eight more title defenses in the UFC to go and who knows if you include the WEC fights, too. Oh, man. Yeah. As Vinny Fernando says, with the UFC Institute being a thing now, there should be no excuse for missing. Well, there, I think there is some excuse. Like when you give Sam Alvey a fight on 10, 11 days notice and have him cut 30 pounds, 40 pounds, that's fucking stupid. 
That's a real. That's dumb. all going to change, though. That's all going to change, in my opinion. If, if if Andy Foster can get all the association of boxing commissions um, to use the waterline base tests, yeah, guys like that are not going to be able to cut thirty pounds anymore. The max they can cut is whatever is going to be allowed, uh, you know, healthy wise by a commission, because. I know it's been done since the dawn of time, but it's got to stop. It's just, it's crazy. I think we're in agreement. Edgar gets the next shot, correct? Yes, 100%. So let's talk about some of the, the notes from the, the post-fight presser. It says that, uh, Dana White says that negotiations with Stipe are good. This is all at Fightful MMA on Twitter. Want to do Nganu versus Stipe as soon as possible. Hey, man, I say put him on the February show and let him rock. Because you got... You got that, which we haven't even talked about. The January main event of DC versus Ozdemir. Hell of a fight. Hell of a fight there. Uh, he says, Nganu lives at the Performance Institute. I'm very interested to see how this Performance Institute changes things. It's a good step. Um, Elias had said something like there's a fee to go there. I don't think there should be. I think that should be a courtesy by the UFC to just open it up, like WWE's Performance Center is. Dana says that Alvarez and Gaethje probably won't be back anytime soon. Uh, loves the idea of Nganu and Stipe in Boston. With Ozdemir DC, a damn. A damn. <laughs> also, Al Hassan versus Homasi has been rebooked for 219. I think that's a little early. A tad early. Yeah. A tad early. Like... Just a bit. Um, what a, what a show. Uh, Dana White says that Demetrius Johnson versus TJ Dillashaw will happen. They just have not announced it yet. This has been a big, big week. Speaking of big weeks, Nico Montano, first Navajo champion in the UFC, defeated Roxanne Modafferi last night. Now, the way this all came about, it's so funny because I said from the beginning of the season that Roxanne was probably going to end up in the finals. Didn't think it would happen like this. But I thought it was an upgrade to the card, Joe, because <laughs> I didn't really care about Sajara Eubanks, especially when a woman sa- brags about how much weight she can cut and then doesn't do it safely and gets hospitalized. Lame! But uh, <laughs> Nico Montano got the win. A lot of respect for Roxanne Modafferi. As I've said before, she could have retired after Tough 18. And probably should have, in my mind. But I'm glad she didn't, because she took it seriously. She went full-time. She went to Syndicate MMA. And it was very heartbreaking to see her lose and to see how heartbroken she was in the cage. Joe, that was her chance. Yeah. That was her one chance. That that arm bar was just almost historical. She was going to become the world champion. And now... Wasn't it? It was almost yeah. destiny, man. It was almost destiny for her. It was just a weird storyline and uh, a fun storyline, a nice storyline, because she's one of the nicest human beings you're ever going to meet. It's evident. Uh, if anybody hates Roxanne Montefiore, you got issues, man. Like She's just a nice human being. But, yeah, we'll see where she says, you know, I'm a martial artist, and you live and learn. You go back, and you get better. So we'll see what that means. Yeah, at 35, it's going to be hard for her to ever get back there, because, I mean, this, like I said, this was the opportunity. Her in a tournament with a bunch of women who weren't as experienced as her. Oh, man. It's it – is, it is a little heartbreaking, but she's going to get a good three, four-fight UFC run out of this at worst. 
At the worst, she's getting three more UFC fights, I would say. And for, for that to happen, that's unbelievable. How long do you think Nico Montano holds this title? Because you've got some heavy hitters coming. You've got Joanna, maybe, uh, if she wants. You've got Valentina Shevchenko saying she is going. Uh, one name that will not be going, I can confirm, Raquel Pennington. A lot of people thought that maybe she would be there because she doesn't look like she's as cut at 135, and that's something she says she's going to address, and she's been looking into the science behind it. She did kind of comically say, well, the only way I would make 125 is if my leg would have been amputated after that <laughs> accident. But um, Disturbing, but yeah, okay. Yeah, but she's not going there. We can confirm that, but Joanne Calderwood will be there. Well, let me say I, this, though. Okay? I think Paige Van Zandt gives Nico Montano problems. So, yeah, the question is, you know, how long will she hold that title for? My instant reaction or my instant comment to you is in her next fight, depending if she fights one of the girls that you mentioned. Now, if either one of those needed by Nico Montano, what are you going to say? What am I going to say? What's the whole MMA world going to say other than, oh, shit. Hot dog. Like, yeah, like, wait a second. She did what in this tournament? She won the title, and then she took out, like, whoa, okay. There were there were a ton of fun finishes on this show early, too. Um, there was a lot of bad armbar defense, real bad <laughs> armbar defense. Ryan Jane's coming back. That fight should have been stopped, but it wasn't, and he came back and won. Impressive. You had finishes all the way up the prelims, and then – a former UFC title challenger got submitted with a calf slicer in 30 seconds. Uh, in the words of Dan Quinn, embarrassing, homie. How yeah. you get caught in that? Now, now, we're not talking Von Flu level, but it's close. It ain't yeah. far, Joe. Yeah, you, I mean, if you've trained any sort of grappling whatsoever or submission art, you know that as soon as you feel a shin anywhere near your calf and a guy's reaching for your leg, you need to just turn. Just turn. Just turn. Go shin to shin or whatever. It's not going to crank it. Just just turn because it hurts. It hurts yeah. a lot. And it's instant pain where you're just kind of like you 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 want to tap, but if you just hold on that just extra split second, second to turn, you're going to be fine. But – Listen, you got to give credit to Brett Johns for pulling it off, though. I know it's 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 you know you're a leg lock guy. You know you you guys. Oh, I, love your, I use that in my pro wrestling matches. I, I use a calf slicer in pro wrestling matches, and now AJ Styles uses it as a finish. It's a pretty looking move, and yeah, it hurts. If you don't like the guy that you're doing it to, you can really hurt them. It's a very simple move too. Like I, I could teach somebody that move in the thirty seconds it took to apply apply to this guy. So. Brett John's now 15 and 0 uh guy from Wales 25 years old that like like we've said before Joe they're starting to find guys in Brazil in uh the UK that they can build up that they can put on those shows over there and they mean something no more of these two and three guys and putting like yeah. Ross well, Pearson and co-mains and main main events and stuff like that yeah, Brett was the Titan yeah. FC champ when he got the call, right? So he, he was he was on the radar, uh, but then he had that horrendous like knee injury, knee surgery. Mm -hmm. So when I saw him going for the cap slicer, I'm like, oh, you're over it. Like, yeah, 
the first thing I think about when, when I'm, you know, when I, cause I've, I've had my, my knees messed up from knee bar or not knee bar, well, knee bars. Yeah, of course. Uh, but heel hooks. And that's why, you know, I never want to be involved in any sort of leg lock 50 50 position. This guy had surgery. Like, I never even saw this in amateur fights. And usually you see the crazy stuff happen in amateur fights. One time, one of our guys, like, his opponent was on his back with his feet up in the air and, like, almost by the the arms of one of our fighters, Brian McDowell. And he was raining down punches, and he just saw the foot there, and he was like, oh, I'm, I'm toe-holding this guy just to be a show-off. And he did. And it's like, you, you see that type of stuff on the amateur level. People who don't know any better. I've never seen a calf slicer on the amateur level. I'm sure it's happened a lot, but it's called hundreds of fights. I've never seen it. And 30 seconds in on Joe Soto, who was looking real good lately. Joe Soto, I think, had won three fights in a row. He beat Ronnie Yaya. And Matt, Ronnie Yaya couldn't do that to him. How about that? Damn. But uh, I thought that the Ultimate Fighter 20, or 26 finale was a decent show, a trash show on paper. Uh, Lauren Murphy probably shouldn't have won. Lucky she was, but I picked her in the predictions, so yay me. I was the only person to pick Lauren Murphy or Eddie Alvarez. Sean O'Malley uh, got a win, but that was close. What did you think of his performance? Well, I saw him on the on Dana White's Contender Series. I wasn't convinced about anything. Um, he's young. You know, he's young. He's young. But then in this fight here, I'm like, you know what? I, I'm liking his style. I can I don't see know if he won this fight versus potential, but they'll have to yeah, come. yeah, big time. But uh, you know, Tyrion Ware did a did a fantastic job as well. But I, I'm kind of I'm I'm warming up to Sean O'Malley. I really am. I think you know what? Just with a little bit more fine tuning, he's going to be fine. And Ganu is going to get a bonus and use the money to uh, open up a gym in Cameroon. Boy. What a gent this guy is. What a gent. Uh, Bellator 189 happened. Julia Budd beat Arlene Blanco. Cow. Nothing happened in this fight, Joe. This fight sucked so bad. Um, I, 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 I don't know what to say. I mean, I, even you know Lance Gibson replied back to me publicly on Twitter because uh, I said it was extremely awkward to see Lance Gibson in the corner. You know, it's it's one thing that is he's, it's one thing coaching a fighter. It's one thing being married to a fighter. It's one thing yelling at your fighter. It's another thing yelling at your wife. He slapped her, left hand slapped her. I was like, was that, was uh, that this last is night that he did too? Because he had done it before. Yeah. I was uh. like, this is extremely awkward to be watching this right now, but she didn't do anything about it. Like she didn't, she didn't go back into the cage and execute. Now Lance did say, you know, if you if you guys want to see it on my Twitter or on my timeline at Showdown Joe, you follow you know Sean Rossap as well at Sean Rossap. He just simply said there was a lot that she went through in this camp. Uh, it doesn't matter. She won, and she'll never talk about it. Blah blah. blah. I agree. Cool. Don't, there's nothing that you know. If, if you know, it'd be great to know what, but just the way she competed in that fight is not Julia Bud. That was not the Julia Bud I expected to see. Anyone that's watched her fight, um, because when she wants to to tee off on someone, she's going to tee off on someone. So yeah, awkward. It's just just I, I didn't know what to say. Lovato Jr. defeated Chris Honeycutt. Chidi Njikwani defeated Hisaki Kato. 
David Rickles, 19th Bellator fight. Hats off to him. Defeated Adam Piccolotti. Samson Cecilia defeated Marcus Galvo. All decisions, not a good look for Bellator in that regard. But Gaston Bolanos, what a finish he had. He got on Sports Center, everything with that back elbow. Here's what I find most interesting about that. Um, he was on the Fight Tips YouTube page. Great, great resource. Breaking down how he sets up that elbow before the fight, <laughs> like a week ago. And it was the same exact way. So, um, gosh, what's his name? The guy from Fight Tips who's parlayed it into a a Bellator deal where he's sponsored by them and Dave and Buster's. Shout-outs to that dude for having Gaston break down that that particular move. Man, that looks really good for him because he was well ahead of the curve in his venture and what he did. And he had, of all the guys to pick that he had to break down stuff, he had the one guy who eventually went on to use that technique in the one major highlight on that show. There was also an 18-second knockout, but very cool, very cool. Uh, We'll have a ton to talk about Tuesday. We've got, like, good God, so many segments that we can run. I might splice together some like highlights of our post UFC stuff and we'll run those. Oh my God. So much stuff. We got interviews with Kevin Lee, Tyron Woodley. We got exclusives with Joe Stevenson, every fighter at UFC 218 on fightful.com. I guarantee you no other site was getting those articles up as quick as we were. Cause I was damn well making sure of it. This was a trying physical weekend. Um, I think next time I will have a team in order for this. Shout-outs to my team for helping me last night. But I'm going to make sure it's in order. I thought that I could handle it all myself. But, you know, maybe I didn't expect James Lynch to have 30 interviews this weekend. But that's what you get at Fightful.com. Make sure you all like and subscribe. What are your lasting impressions of this MMA weekend, Joe? Fantastic. It's it, it's I'm I'm always going to remember this weekend as the weekend of violence. That's it. This is this was the weekend of violence. Three fights on this card alone this evening will live on in my head for infamy. Yancey Madero's pulling off that victory. Alistair Overeem almost dead, courtesy of of Nganu. and the fight that we've all wanted to see all year. We had to wait because the ultimate fighter in Gaethje and, yeah. and uh, Alvarez. So it's, it was just a violent weekend. To be so. fair, I, I'm glad that we had to wait a little bit after the Alvarez-Poirier fight because he needed that time off. He's going to need some more time off. Um, Eddie Alvarez, another guy who doesn't get his, 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 doesn't get his due respect, and a lot of people not named Nate Diaz, are going to have that happen to them because Conor McGregor makes fools of everybody on the microphone. That's just just how it is. And he made a fool of Eddie Alvarez on the microphone, and that kind of stuck. But it's a guy who, gosh, uh, Justin Golightly tweeted it out, and I'm going to find it in the, in the piece. Eddie Alvarez has defeated UFC, Strikeforce, Bellator, Deep, Shudo, um, 1FC, WEC and Dream and World Series of Fighting lightweight champions. Gangster. That's that's gangster. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, man. That's just next level, next level stuff. Um him earning that money 
Like this is this was a big like big pay year for him over the last thirteen months. Eddie Alvarez, a guy who got really screwed by Bellator and had to sit out a long time, if you remember. Yep. Didn't get to didn't I mean he got a good money deal and stuff, but he had a championship win. Since Fightful launch, like the money that he's come into has been unreal for a guy who's won two of those fights. He had a championship fight in one of the biggest MMA weeks, period, and won the title, got performance of the night. He lost to Conor McGregor, but, you know, McGregor's a big payday. Fought Dustin Poirier and went to a no contest, and I'm sure he got bonused for that. If he didn't, I'd be shocked. And then fought Justin Gaethje, got fight of the night, and had a tough paycheck on top of that. But the, the, I think the biggest story of this entire weekend, Nganu, he stepped out, he emerged. There were a lot of people that said, how can you give him a title shot after, after Arlovsky? You can now. You can now. You get your first Navajo UFC champion. CM Punk fell out of a chair backstage on his ass <laughs> flat. All kinds of stuff. Guys, I want to thank you guys so much. I know a lot of you have been here since the first podcast, Fightful.com, and I posted a bit of a rant yesterday on my Twitter about sometimes how difficult it is to deal with some wrestling PR and stuff. It was not a cakewalk, and it has not been a cakewalk to deal with UFC in leading up to this, but uh, we were able to get there, and we're a very new outlet still. When you got like MMA Junkie and MMA Fighting and people like that, and Bleacher Report, they are owned by conglomerates. They are owned by major companies. You guys see who runs Fightful.com. You guys see him every Wednesday on the Listen Your Boy podcast, and you see the guy who is in charge of running that website on that same podcast and me. We have some good resources, but you know we, we don't have conglomerates. So to be there and have a guy who worked his ass off like James Lynch did and to have people like Brandon Howard, Mike Straw, and Showdown Joe went to Buffalo earlier this year and got us great content. Uh, it shows the UFC that we definitely belong in that coverage spectrum. And it's it got to a point to where they couldn't deny us anymore. It couldn't happen anymore. And uh, I want to thank you guys so much for that. I know that MMA isn't the primary reason a lot of people come to this website. But we cover the crossover unlike anybody else. There ain't a damn person. We could have easily just made this a pro wrestling site. Maybe the traffic would have been better because maybe maybe the crossover, some people, it drives some people away. But those of you that have stuck with this and appreciated it and embraced it, it's really cool. I run this operation out of a home office in a hundred and something year old house. And me and Joe are on here doing shows every week. And you all are sending us questions and giving us thumbs up and subscriptions. Thank you guys so much. It is really awesome that, I mean, going into our second year, we're – we have companies contact us asking us to cover their stuff, and that's really, really cool. Joe, anything to add before we go? The great words of Brock Lesnar when he won the UFC title, asked by a German reporter. Barak, your opinion? And Brock just looked at him after a diatribe that you just went off on, and Brock said what he said. And Brock said, I took that. Horseshoe out of his ass? And I beat him up there, <laughs> that was actually pretty good, Sean. Very good. I know. 
Hey, I, I did some voiceover work. I do impersonations for some of our ad reads. Also, Carlos Toro was at Kodo versus Ali tonight. You all must go to the boxing section of Fightful.com and read his write-up on Miguel Cotto. Uh, Carlos Toro, in that year and a half, has developed into one of the best boxing writers in the world. Unbelievable like progress I've seen him make. And Miguel Cotto is one of his heroes. I know it's hard to stay biased and unbiased, and we do our best, but the guy's a Puerto Rican hero, and after what Puerto Rico endured this year, uh, our boy Carlos Toro was live at Madison Square Garden covering that show. And it was Miguel Cotto's swan song, and he lost. We have coverage of that up on Fightful.com as well. Guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Until next time, leave us a thumbs up, subscribe, all that good stuff. We are out. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.